Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley, and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around, and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep, and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey guys, um, today's guest is Emily Hersicorn. She is a former lawyer turned career confidence coach. After a stint in higher education, not unlike me, uh, Emily decided to pursue a certification in professional coaching. And specifically, Emily now helps lawyers and other ambitious professionals navigate their careers, develop as conscious leaders, and integrate work and life for faster success and greater fulfillment. Uh, I had an absolute blast having this conversation with Emily. We really sort of talked about making the jump into entrepreneurship and what that experience is like, and um, I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Uh, I also wanted to highlight that Emily is as of right now, currently running her accessible coaching campaign. Um, so if you're thinking about reaching out to her, this would be an incredibly good time. And I've linked that um, in the notes. And if you listen to this episode and you're, you know, one of those people out there sort of thinking about making a jump into entrepreneurship, uh, I encourage you, you can jump on a free catalyst call with me. And also as a little teaser in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be putting out a free private podcast, um, sort of directed at those of you who feel the call of entrepreneurship, but are still a little scared or uncertain. Uh, I will be walking you through the holistic framework that I use with clients to design what I call a freedom business. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> the thing that will get you to that life that you actually want and to be happy. Um, it's, you know, designed to develop a personalized business model tailored to you, your goals, your interests, your strengths. And by going through this process, you really develop the clarity and confidence to go from just kind of daydreaming about this as a possibility to actually doing it. So if you would like to be alerted to that when it comes up, I will include a link to the waitlist in the notes. Um, but now on to my conversation with Emily. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So I start at the same place with everyone, and that is asking you, what made you go to law school in the first place? Yes, I actually love this story. Um, so I always wanted to be a therapist for as long as I could remember, which we'll get back to, I'm sure, in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I was in undergrad. I did some research with a professor who was one of kind of the pioneers in positive psychology, Rick Snyder, was incredible. And I was in his office and talking to him about what the hell I wanted to do next. I thought I was going to go get my PhD in clinical psychology. And, um, and I came to realize 
oh, I don't want to go to seven to eight more years of school <laughs> yeah, and come out making 60 grand. I don't know where I got that figure, but that was the number in my mind. Um, and law school, I could go for three years and come out making 100 grand. Literally. Yeah. It was Foolproof. Like a, <laughs> yes, it was a simple mathematical equation. So yeah. I share the story because I, my tendency, and I find this a lot with my lawyer and other professional clients is to be super logical, like hyper rational. And that was literally how I made that decision. I didn't check in with my emotions, how I felt about it, or my gut, my intuition, what I really deeply wanted to do. It was just purely based on math and I wanted to make money. So that was it. I'm not going to tell you this story about me wanting to like save the world. Um, <laughs> that was really the reality of it. I right. wanted to be able to take care of my future family, not have to rely on a partner's income. Um, I always felt like I had a lot of control over my life and living situation. I said, oh, I'll just go work hard and make a lot of money. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably as good a reason as... <laughs> Like, like in terms of like getting out of it, what you thought you'd get out of it, it's probably, um, you know, maybe more coherent, but, um, so what was law school for, for, you know, did it sort of, was it what you expected? Did you proceed as you expected in, in school? Yeah. So I loved law school, um, which I feel like people don't commonly say, um, I did very well. And I worked my ass off. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not that same situation where you don't have to work hard, but if you're smart, you can skate by. Like, it doesn't work like that, right? right you have right. to really work hard and study and figure it all out to do well. So I really did. I worked really, really hard. Um, I did very well academically. Loved that. But I, I literally didn't even know what lawyers did. I mean, going in, I didn't know any lawyers. It really was just this kind of academic pursuit So it makes sense that I didn't practice for very long. Um, Now, it's important to note, I graduated in 2010. So that class was, I think, the hardest hit employment-wise from the 2008 recession. Um, My class was getting job offers rescinded left and right when the crash happened. So my issue was I had a great summer associate position in a firm in Sacramento, which is where I went to school. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was going to move to San Diego right after graduation. Um, my ex, um, who I was with at the time, lived in San Diego and was up in Sacramento temporarily. So we were going to go back down to San Diego. So I basically, despite the challenges of the job market, yeah. I was like, fuck it. I don't want to stay in Sacramento. So I'm going to move start my career where I want to live. And so that was um, my decision-making heavily impacted the challenges I had in terms of job, finding a job Mm -hmm. after graduation. So I did end up graduating without a job, but like I said, that was really only because I decided to move. Um, But that's also part of my story. I've, even though I did really well in law school and kind of had an easier time through OCI's, I did struggle significantly afterwards. I did have to network my ass off. I had to create something out of nothing in a totally new town um, and access my resources. So that's just what I did. Um, I took on 
some volunteer work, which I thought was ridiculous at first, but it was necessary and some part-time work, networked my ass off. And ultimately, I really landed a great job um, that I started in March after graduation. So pretty close to that $100,000 mark that was in my mind. Yeah, Um, yeah. And then I did it for a couple of years. It was not for me. I was not um, getting any sort of therapy or coaching at the time. So negative thoughts running wild, um, assuming, oh, well, I'm not having the greatest time here. This isn't um, the right practice area. Maybe it could work somewhere else. No, I was just like, it's going to be the same everywhere. And right, it's right. It's never going to work. And, and so I so just So what like practice left. area did you end up in? So I was in education law, which is super interesting. And I was on the defense side. I always wanted to do defense work, mm-hmm. um, despite being pretty progressive. Um, and litigation just kind of drove me crazy. I didn't get it. I'm like, what is going on here? So that's why I wanted to do defense work. Yeah. Um, so... The labor and employment work I did, I really believed in that. Um, I was helping school districts get some folks out of the classroom or off the campus who were doing some pretty, pretty terrible stuff. Yeah. Um, That felt really good, felt in alignment. Um, The special ed work I was doing, though, on the defense side, that was tough for me. So we would go to a mediation, for example, and literally a child sometimes they would show up. A child with special needs would be on the other side of the table. Um, Or the parents, of course, would be there Mm -hmm. even if the kids weren't. So that was harder for me. That was really hard Um, and not really a practice area I wanted to stay in. But in the education field um, with the defense firms, a lot of folks get pigeonholed into special ed. There's just a large volume of work. Mm -hmm. So if you like the work, Um, and kind of the rote nature of it. And there are a lot of fabulous opportunities to get good experience up front. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, If it doesn't gel so well, then it can be hard um, in that field to move around. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were going through the like, this isn't for me and extrapolating to so none of law is for me sort of what was that? (laughs) You know, you know, I think people, um, I was probably closer to that, but I think that's actually an unusual response in that a lot of people think, well, I've got to go try every yeah. version of the law possible to to make like to rule it out or else it's it's, you know, I'm making this decision too early. How did you sort of go about that thought process? Yeah, well, like I said, it was not what I would call a conscious thought process. <laughs> it right. was not well thought through. Um, it was very emotional very emotion driven um, and and fear based, which yeah. is so much of my story with respect to why I do what I do now, where I work to help people avoid that. Yeah. I work to help people make conscious choices about what the heck they're doing so that it isn't fear based um, and it really is more aligned with their values, what they want, why they want it, and just like reasonable. Right. For God's sake. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I just ran, I was really struggling and I'm like, I just want to run as far as possible. And I've heard that from several people. Um, they'll say, I'll say, what do you want? Let's do some visioning. And they're like, I want to run away. <laughs> that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to hide. Like yep. I want to, you know, go into a hole for a couple months and like not talk to anybody. This shit's hard. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I was, I was a little bit, I would say immature at the time. And again, didn't have support, wasn't seeking it out, right? but didn't have support. Um, so I just left and I'm like, I'll do something else. Part of it though, and I talked to a lot of folks like this too, like I said, I was not someone who grew up always wanting to be a lawyer and yeah. I knew what it was like. And I did mock trial and I'm like, Ooh, I like this. Like I literally went to law school because I thought it was a safe career that would make me money. Yeah. And I assumed I would enjoy ac the academic side of it. And I did. Yeah. Um, but so I, I didn't have that piece of me where I'm like, Oh, my whole identity is wrapped right. up in right. lawyer with my very common yeah. for people. And it makes it hard to step away for that reason. I was almost a little rebellious and was like, yeah, I want to do something <laughs> against the grain. And yeah. that's going to feel a little bit more human again. Yeah. Um, just because I'm a little bit nuts, I think. Have you ever done the uh, four tendencies test? The um, I'm blanking on her, her name, but she's a lawyer turned sort of writer. And there's no, I don't think one so. of the one of the categories is rebel. So I was wondering <laughs> if you were a rebel. Oh, <laughs> I think I have a secondary rebel on on uh -huh. me. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely um, Gretchen that's always Rubin, been like bubbling. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to let me know. That's been yeah. bubbling under the surface, I think, for a long yeah. time. Um, but on top of that, was always the messaging of like, get a safe job. Right. Do something right. secure. Don't take risks. I know a lot of lawyers are very risk averse yeah. um, as well. So it's funny because when you have those different kind of components to your personality, sometimes one bubbles up and yeah. you're like, ooh, do I listen? Do I suppress it? What do I do? So right, good right. coaching opportunity, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you do? So at first I left and I actually went in to work for a nonprofit doing anti-bias education programming. And that was really cool. Um, I, I love this story because it just all makes sense now. So that was 100% in line with my personal belief system, causes that I was passionate about. Um, yeah. And some of the work I did really, really enjoy. And I missed working with lawyers. Hmm. So... I recognized at that time there was something really special about connecting with other people who had ha had a shared experience with you. Yeah. And you could really empathize. Um, I mean, you know, there's just, there's yeah. something really unique about working with lawyers or other professionals who've gone to graduate school and had that. Yeah. It's like this club you're not sure you want to be in, but exactly. you're in it. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so that was part of it. The other thing was, I, I've mentioned this a little bit about academia. I've always been obsessed with academia. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a professor. I kind of explored that a little bit. Um, I did teach actually a little bit. I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. um, so there was an opportunity that came up in career and professional development at the University of San Diego School of Law. And I just had to jump on it. Like yeah. I knew deep down that was another step in the right direction for me. So I moved into that position. I was there for seven years off and on and had some babies in and out, but really, really loved that work. Yeah. Um, 
it was really in strong alignment. So that was getting kind of closer to that initial like therapist idea where I wanted to deeply connect with people. I wanted to help them in a really special way. Um, The other thing was, and I hadn't thought about this before, but for the first time I was really working autonomously Hmm. and I was on my own and I felt like kind of, you know, a one woman show, like running my own thing yeah. in my office. And I really, really liked that. Which is so, not necessarily universally true of university jobs, just to put you know, it out there. But it's funny because I worked a lot in that job and then kind of left and did my own thing outside of the office. So I didn't, I didn't have, I've had a few conversations with other people in similar positions, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not so in tune to that though, because um, I don't know. I guess I just had a lot of trust with my supervisor. Yeah. And um, the work itself, you know, it, it is your own thing when you're advising. Right, right. Right. So that that felt really, really good for me. So I started kind of paying attention to those things. Like, what do I like here? What mm. feels good? What feels funky? Like the cap, right. on, the cap on income. I did not like that. Um, and then also... I love the job and it's a dead end job. Yeah. Right? Like yep. there's nowhere to go. Everyone can't become partner. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, that was, that was, that resonates a lot with me and sort of yeah. why that job maxed out for me is that I yeah. just stopped growing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. I mean, yes, the money, but also just like for yourself, it's just yes. kind of like, all right. Uh, so I'm doing nothing more for, for the next 25 years, you know? Yeah. It's the same stuff yeah. over and over. And so yeah. even if you enjoy it and it's new students coming in, um, you're right. We have this natural tendency or, or desire to learn yeah. and grow. And so, um, like in our businesses now, yeah. we can take on some new project. We can do something. We can tear down the business. And right. Oh, I've done. And I've already done that once. Exactly. <laughs> I know you have. It's amazing. And, yeah. and how powerful is that? So, yeah, there are definitely um, some pretty severe limitations in that type of position. So yeah. I did that. Um, was loving it, but pretty early on, I was like, "There's something more. Yeah. Like something's missing." And you know, I'm not fully in control. And it was kind of standard hours, that whole thing. So I had some kids yeah, and then I wanted to not necessarily spend more time with my kids, like in the sense of working part time, yeah. but I just wanted to be more in control. I didn't want to have to ask permission yeah. <laughs> to yeah. take off to do something for my sick child or for a Jewish holiday. Like I want right. to just be able to say I'm doing this and not have to file something with HR. So Um, That was a part of it. The other part, though, I had multiple friends, close friends, approaching me about coaching. Hmm. So um, a very close friend of mine said, I'm taking the, I'm doing this coaching certification program. I really think this is what you've been looking for. You'd be a great fit. So I started exploring it and I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Yeah. So that was the beginning of that journey. Um, and then I started my business while I was still working in my, um, university job and had always had the intention of leaving, um, ultimately and pretty quickly too. Um, a lot of people I went through my coach certification 
program with, which was about a year long, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, we'll see what happens. We're going to take it slow. I was nuts. Yeah. Um, I think that's so one. interesting because I think, you know, I think there are, I don't even know that it, maybe it's different personality types or maybe it's just the same person sort of at different parts times on the, on the same spectrum, but there are sort of people who circle around the idea, but they're not actually doing it. And then there's some moment where you're like, oh, I am, I am doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're right. Like one personality types two, it was also circumstantial for me or the circumstances for me, because when I first started looking into this, it was pre COVID. So this was not, I've heard people be like, oh yeah, everyone became a life coach during COVID, right? (laughs) Um, That was not exactly how it went down for me. I'd been planning it. It was, again, uh, very much in line with my original um, path in psychology and undergrad. And the research I was doing was in HOPE, which is goal setting and pathways and motivation, which is literally coaching. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it all made sense for me, but it fa- got fast tracked because of the pandemic. So my husband works in the event industry. Mm. So things were totally, I mean, his world was just yeah. rocked. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, I have higher earning capacity. I, like I can't sit back anymore. I need to just go full force ahead. So yep. I, I am totally nuts and I do everything big and loud and, you know, full force, but yeah. But it also was because of the pandemic. I started my training program sooner. I like went all out with the business sooner. I started my right. group programming sooner, and right. uh, and all simultaneously. If I'm if I'm right, right. Uh, pretty much. I yeah, mean, I, I say yeah. that as a positive thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I very, and I think that um, I think this is an interesting because I particularly lawyers and their sort of logical sequential minds (laughs) think, okay, well, step one, go out and get all of the education on this topic. And then a year from now, step two. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, everyone I support, um, my client I was talking to last night, talking about having a plan. Like we're always talking about having a plan and I want to have clarity. Like, okay, great, Emily, you're going to help me find a new job or be happy in my job this year, but then what's next year? What's five right. years to 10 years? So yeah, it, it, I really did. I started the business actually before I started my certification program. And it, originally it was more traditional career advising because I just knew mm-hmm. how to do that. Right. Right. Um, and I had two clients who were not lawyers, but they were very impressive women uh, with years. I mean, one 25 years of experience in leadership development Wow. The other one was an academic and um, and a minister, like just super interesting folks. So that was interesting. I took them on. But then once I started my training program, um, the one I did was um, you have these 30-hour modules. So you do three days in a row. It's a really intensive thing. So it started like that. So mm-hmm. I had really awesome stuff. I mean, just after that first weekend that I could kind of run with right, in addition right. to, you know, whatever I'd been doing on my own. So, so yeah, I started taking on clients soon after that. Um, and, you know, of course the way I work with people has evolved over time. It yeah, always will. Yeah. Whether um, or not you waited a year to get started or not, it was exactly, going to evolve, right? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. it's so important for this type of work 
um, you know, the work I do now, it's because of all the work I did early on. Yeah. Right. And so it builds on itself. Um, and I'm continuously learning, doing new programs, um, taking advantage of new resources. So yes, full force ahead. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, for you, and I think this is true, I think this is one of the biggest objections I hear from people is sort of the financial side of things and and the concerns about sort of the risk of things. But I think also, you know, just like, you know, how can you go out on your own and sort of, you know, how did you manage your transition from sort of a financial standpoint and, and thinking about, you know, did you see this as the kind of job that had a sort of more of a financial upside than, than where you were, or were you thinking of it as maybe if I'm lucky, I can replace my income? Like what was your thought on that? Yeah. So I'm actually going to share two responses here first about leaving law, because I know that's for most of your folks where they're at. So when I left legal practice, I was making a hundred thousand dollars and I took a $50,000 job. So yeah. that's a yep. $50,000 cut. That's a 50%. I took cut. a 50% cut when I left okay. the firm too. So. There we go. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you know exactly. What, okay, yep. we have the same life. So, yep. <laughs> um, but I share that because, and I've counseled people on this for years, it's so important to determine what is sufficient, right? Yep. So yep. we're obviously, a lot of us, when we're in law school, we're like, I'm going to make good money, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of things I could do with that money. And that's the plan. Um, so when it, when you're making that transition into something that's better aligned and you're going to be happier doing, um, I think it's so important to think, okay, what do I actually need yeah. versus what did I really want as right. a big fancy lawyer? So that's number one. Um, and that was really helpful. That pay cut, I mean, it was perfectly fine uh, paying the bills still with my partner at the time and the house that we were living in. I mean, we were living beneath our means. We didn't run out and buy fancy cars, you know? Um, So that was that, that transition. Now the transition out of my day job into coaching, I hate saying full time because I don't even know what that means anymore. Right. um, Now that I work on my own, but yeah, totally fucking scary. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's super scary. Um, and it's exhilarating. Yep. So I always encourage my clients to lean into that idea. Like when you're feeling nerves, you need to remind yourself that's because you're doing something that's brave and bold. And yep. where I was working, um, the money I was making, how do I say this? The work I'm doing now and the business I have, it is easy to replace that salary. I just have to put in the work. I have to do a lot of marketing work. I have to have a business coach always, right? I have to invest in myself and my business and make sure that I'm doing it right. And then, yes, I have full confidence that I can easily replace my salary. Last month actually was my first month out. And congratulations. um, Thank you. And I I totally (laughs) surpassed my day job income from the past. So that was great. You know, that's kind of your first hurdle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have no, no real concerns when I think about it that way, but it is totally different where it's not stable, um, initially. And like for me, in terms of my financial arrangements with my clients, some of them pay in full upfront, 
some pay monthly. So Mm -hmm. if everyone paid monthly, it would be a lot more predictable, Mm -hmm. Um, which sometimes I'm like, maybe I should just do that. And then I can predict my income. Um, But yeah, so like right now, I actually have a big book of clients. Um, I just signed like several clients, which is exciting and um, a little overwhelming. But um, but yeah, so it's about doing your best to make it stable, but also recognizing like the big picture. Also, financial management is really important. Yeah. So, you know, yep. when I hired, when I found a CEO, I mean a CEO, a, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. CPA? CPA, thank you. <laughs> See, clearly I need help with my finances. I don't even know what they're called. When um, I found a CPA and I got him on retainer, like that was so exciting to me. Yeah. Because yeah. someone was helping me with that, you know, outsourcing the stuff that stresses you out. Um, I think yeah. the first year of business, it's just about starting and surviving. And then yeah. the second year, if you have gone full force like I did, the second year is about streamlining, outsourcing, simplifying, you yeah. know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think, you know, it's also that you can build something like this while you have a full-time job and people can make their jumps out of their full-time job at different moments. Like mm. you can, yeah. you can, I mean, I jumped a little early, like some people probably wait longer. And it's like, it's, it's up to you. But you, you know, you can give yourself a runway where you're doing both. And um, so that you can kind of come to the place where your, your risk tolerance is, is kind of managed. (laughs) That's a really good point. Because I think there's this conception that you have to replace your salary, and then you leave. Yeah, right. Like, or, you know, I want to, let's say I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Once I'm making that, then I can leave. Yeah. But, but the reality is one, it takes time. Like, even if you're fucking incredible, you still have, it still takes, you know, time to like, like right now, some of my business comes through refer from referrals. What you don't have a referral base if you haven't had any clients. Yeah. Right. That's not possible in the very beginning. Right. Um, Right. So it takes time. But the other thing is you're opening up space. Like now I don't have all of these calls I was doing for my other job during the day. Oh shit. I have more time to market. I have more time to do just my client calls. Right. Right. I think right now I have, um, 11 coaching clients, um, which is a good number. I mean, when I was working another job, I couldn't handle more than like, seven max, you know? Right. Right. So, so yeah, I I think that's the other important thing to keep in mind. Like it is a trade-off if you're leaving the one job, you're opening up space and have bigger capacity. The other thing is going back to what's sufficient. So again, let's say that I want to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. It's just an obvious marker for a lot of people. Um, but we can actually survive on me bringing in 50 probably, you know? Oh yeah. So I mean, this is, I mean, I think that's such good advice. And it's like, I would tell people, if this is even in your head, start tracking yourself now. This is what I did is that for, for quite a few years, I just was really fastidious about knowing 
what I was, where my money was going and budgeting. Well, first of all, like you, like I wasn't, you know, I was not a partner at some big New York law firm. So I had already yeah. adjusted to this 50% of a lawyer's yeah. salary. So I, it was somewhat necessary from just my own personal budgeting standpoint. Yeah. But what that made really easy was that when I was looking at, okay, what's, what's the point where I like, I know that I, this is just the amount that I can live on. That number was like at my fingertips. Exactly. Um, and that is, I think, a good way to kind of get your head around it and take some of like the overwhelm and uncertainty of it away. Yeah. 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 Well, Uh, and another quick point, depending on what you're looking to go into, obviously I'm just speaking for the coaching industry, but like my business coach, for example, I'm in her group program, this group program that used to be called the six figure coaches club. And a lot of, there are a lot of programs like that. Because like I said, people are obsessed with that figure for some reason. So eventually she totally is going through this change, which I think is very cool to make clear. Like it's very much value aligned, her messaging and programming. Mm -hmm. And she's changing the name because it came up like you can be successful without making this arbitrary amount of money. Like, you know, I live in fucking Kansas now. I used to live in Southern California drastically right. different cost different. of living. Yep. So why would I carry that with me? Like, Ooh, a hundred thousand is perfect here. And it's perfect here. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So right. I really love that idea. Or like, let's say your partner makes a shit ton of money, you know, and, and you don't have to. Right. And you could have, yeah. yeah like, people's circumstances are different. That number right. for you is going to be different than that number for somebody else. Right. right? So it's yeah. just not getting hung up on what society has told us is success. And just thinking mm. like, um, I know my business coach, my personal coach um, over the past few months, like she's made these comments like, you're super successful. Cause I'm always like, oh, I've, I'm very ambitious. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I want to do this and this and this. And like, and she's like, just just to be clear, you know that you've been extremely successful after just a year and a half, right? I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I should celebrate that for a minute, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And that idea that like, I I love this sort of reframe of, and I do this with my clients is, how do you define success? And it can evolve, but you know, yes, yes. just being aware that success doesn't have to be kind of the version that we all had in our heads from like being lawyers and what that kind of traditionally looks like. Yes. You know, exactly. success to me, if, if what you want is to sort of jump into this world, you sort of feel called to build your own thing, whether it's coaching or some other sort of service that you know what, just starting could be successful, right? Because a lot of people just think about it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, just giving yourself credit for um, all the steps you take in the journey, because that's how it works. And then I'll add, I mean, I I take it to the next level. So let's say someone tells me, oh, I want a new job, or oh, I want to switch careers. Okay, fine. What will that do for you? And they still tend to stay corporate, like still focus on something professional. Great. Right. Why do you want that? Ultimately, we tend to get to, well, I want to be happy. I want to enjoy my right. life, right? right? I want to have time with my family. Perfect. Those are the real goals right? as I right. see it. So that's the other kind of process I love walking people through when you're talking about reframing 
is pulling away from this idea that the goal is this particular job, profession, career path, what what the fuck ever. But in reality, the goal is happiness. And there are a million different ways we can find that. Right. And, and this happened with a client of mine recently is, is also just being reminded that you set, like, what does happiness mean to you? What does success mean to you? And then you come to a decision point and, you know, make sure that you tap back into that. So you're not sort of accidentally falling into old decision-making habits. Oh, totally. You know, (laughs) you know, I think it's, um, it's a practice. (laughs) It's a practice. And that's also why sometimes, usually I don't, but sometimes I have to explain why I work with people for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes people are like, I just need a couple sessions. And I'm I'm cool with that, by the way. I'm like, great, yeah. let's do months a month and then yeah. they re- re-sign. But, right, right. Um, but yeah, like that's exactly why this work is long-term. That's why, uh, like I'm a coach and I have a coach, <laughs> right? Like, right, right. It's, it's not like, um, it's not simple stuff. We all fall into these traps time and time again. And the goal is just to be able to get yourself out of it, to find your resources who can help you, that can help you um, over time. Like you said, to reconnect with the purpose, your your mission, right. whatever it is that's driving your decisions. Yeah. So for you, what is what are the parts of building your own business and coaching specifically that you enjoy so much, you know, is that I, I take it, you're finding it more fulfilling than the last thing. So sort of what is that to you? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of the opposite question, actually. I'm like, is there anything that I don't like? Um, Shit. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think really, I just love it all. I, so this is, and this can be a challenge for me because I love it all. It's easier to say, oh, find what you don't like and outsource it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to let go of my social media marketing. I don't want to let go of writing, you know, people. Right. See all right. Instagrams that are like, um, <laughs> I have a long list of things that I would get rid of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's normal. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like this freak over here that I love yeah. it all. And, but these programs are always like, are you a coach? And you just want to coach and you don't want to do the business stuff. I'm like, I like business stuff, so what do I do? Yeah, I do too. And I think that's a good thing to point out is that like, no matter what kind of business you go into, there's going to be this large business component. (laughs) Yes, yes. So exactly. They say 80% um, of what you're doing right now is business. 20% is the actual work. So uh, to answer your question, because I'm uh, avoiding it, but (laughs) I, I absolutely love the coaching work itself, I am in like very, very high energy levels when I'm coaching. Um, my yeah. practice is based in these energy levels and there's seven levels. I'm level six um, most of the time, which is like you're in flow. You yeah. love what you're doing so much. Time is passing and you have no idea. You don't even realize it. Yeah. So that is, that is the actual coaching work. Um, I also, I really, really love writing. I always have. So I've been doing weekly blogs. Um, There have been holidays and trips recently, so I've um, not been completely on top of weekly, but I've been doing a lot of blog writing this year. Um, I I do a lot of social media posts and currently 
that's all me. Um, I don't have help doing that. Ultimately I will have to hire a team because I just don't, there's just not enough time um, in the day, but I currently enjoy doing that. I don't mind doing the admin stuff. Even I mean the like mindless kind of, you know, organization of files and folders and tracking things and spreadsheets. Um, I don't mind that. Again, ultimately, I'll probably have someone help with that. The CPA yeah. is taking a little bit of that off of my plate. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, which really speaks to your the purpose of your question, what's different about this work than my work in my last job is I get to serve fewer clients in a much more in-depth way. Mm. So, you know, working for a university, you're serving thousands of students yeah. superficially. Right. Yeah, so yeah. now I get to have, like I said, 11 clients, which is like a full book. Um, I love saying that. It's just so yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm meeting with these folks every week or every other week and it's just 11 people. Um, yeah. So I really get to know them, which is really fun. We have a really, a really strong relationship and I'm a really important support person in their life. And they know that. Yeah. So that is a big deal for me. Also the nature of the coaching. So I'm a kind of a purist coaching based on my training where um, I do try to avoid giving advice and mm. I'm asking my clients questions. I'm walking them through a particular process um, to get them to where they want to go. I'll share insights of course, but, um, but that's a really different process than just giving career advice which was right. meaningful for folks. And I did a little bit of empowerment coaching naturally, but it, like you were kind of saying earlier, we were talking about a lot of it is the same thing over and over. Yeah. So even if the client is benefiting the student or the um, alum and it's, it's meaningful for them, for me, and I'm sure you experienced this too, energetically, that is draining. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. I think one of the big themes I've been working on with my clients across the board lately is what is energizing you and what is draining you. Yes. Increase, you know, do more of what's energizing you, do less of what's draining you. And then you realize, oh shit, it's not just hours. Like I need to do work for eight hours a day. You could probably do work that energizes you for 10 hours a day right. um, and feel fucking fine. But if you're doing stuff you hate for six hours a day, you come home pissed off, exhausted, whatever. Right. So, or even just doing transition. things that are just kind of blah for, yeah. you know, yeah. that yeah, is well, also its own kind of draining. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think that people don't recognize that. And yeah. I, I've been talking a lot lately. I'm actually writing a book. Um, and, and this is a big part of it, work-life integration, but I've been talking a lot lately about millennials, myself included. Um, we tend to focus on hours and we like to think, oh, if I reduce the hours that I work, traditional work, life will be good. And that's the, that's the whole point here. (laughs) That's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm trying to get people to move away from that. I think that can be really a limiting belief. And I think it's pulling away from what matters most, which is, again, is the work you're doing energizing or draining? Right. 
I totally agree. It's so funny you say that because I'm I, I'm just working on a post about why seeking work life balance is sort of killing your future because yeah. you know we balance is what you are referring to. I think is hours, right? It's like I yeah. had great balance at the at the law school. I had like two months of vacation and yep, I worked yep. nine to five, but it wasn't integrated for me, yeah. right? The work I wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't energizing, and so I do I. I love this sort of frame of, of what, what is the goal in, in your search for this, you know, yeah. be mindful so, that it's not just ours. Yeah. Yes. And I'll just say this. I like to define work-life integration, which is what my goal is. You use yeah. the word integrated. Um, I always tell people it's as simple as this. When you're working, you don't feel guilty that you're away from your personal life, your yeah. friends and family. And when you're in your personal life, you don't feel guilty that you're not working. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple fucking goal. So in other words, flip it. You want to feel good when you're working and you want to feel good when you're in your personal life and not worrying or guilt or any of that. Right. So right. that I think is the goal. And there's no magic equation out there. Look, right. I'm, I'm a coach and I work a lot. I mean, now I don't work as much as I used to, but shit, when I was working two jobs right, and, right. and doing that certification program, and I had two little kids home with me, it was right. crazy. Um, but it didn't matter. I was so energized because yeah. I loved what I was doing. I was building something that was so exciting and I had a light at the end of the tunnel. So it was yes. all intentional. So yes. as, as long as it's by design, there's a purpose, you feel good, you know what you're doing, great. The concern is when it's by default, yep. just because that's what's been happening, or that's what you understand you're supposed to be doing, and it's not feeling so good. Yeah. Ugh, couldn't agree more. I feel like <laughs> yeah. you and I could probably chat about this for an entire day. But yeah. <laughs> um, I want to be mindful of, of your time. But Tell us how people can find you, how people can work with you. Sure. Okay. So hersecorncoaching.com, H-I-R-S-E-K-O-R-N. And that's my website. You can head over there. You can schedule a call if you're curious because I do free initial calls with folks. So you can go ahead and get a career confidence coaching call. We can get start getting some traction on anything you want to work on. Again, Work-life integration, imposter syndrome, those are really my, my biggest um, topics I think people are coming to me for. Um, and career clarity. What the heck mm -hmm. is next? I don't know. Uh, that's what people are always saying. So head over there. Um, you can book a call. You can also, if you're not ready, but you're just super interested, um, curious, you want to read more, um, you can head over to my blog. You can sign up for my mailing list. I send out regular emails uh, with self-coaching frameworks. So they're content heavy. It's not just BS or marketing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm giving you a lot of good free content through the mailing list. Um, the ways that I work with people, I do one-on-one -on -one work. Um, like I said, it is really with a limited group of people, um, but you can always get on my waiting list. No issue. There's usually some sort of turnover um, each month. I also am running a group program for entry-level women lawyers. Um, the third cohort, it's going to be starting September 26th, so very soon. And um, I'm very excited. I do not have concrete plans yet, but 
Um, I believe that I'm going to change that group, the formatting, and also open it up. So again, it's currently for entry-level women, and mm-hmm. it's all confidence-based so that they get off on the right foot. Um, I do feel like, though, there is a need for this type of work um, across gender boundaries and also at every stage of people's careers. So I want to make sure that there's a group offering kind of available at all times. So 2022, look out for that. Um, That also makes coaching more accessible. So if you're concerned about the financial investment, there is no need to worry. Um, That group will be available and that can really change the pricing for folks. Um, Something I'm also open to doing if folks can get together um, their own group, we can always do like a power group and mm. that can make it more accessible too. So I'm super flexible with arrangements, um, also open to working with institutions. I have been talking to some of the law schools and I have some ideas about programming that I'd love to do to bring to the women's law caucuses um, or even the student affairs or career services offices as well to supplement the more logistical work that they're doing. I think there's a huge, huge void at the law school level and entry level in terms of mindset coaching. So happy to, yeah, happy to partner and (laughs) brainstorm and, you know, figure out new arrangements, um, come up with some ideas. Uh, Honestly, I think the whole thing is funding. I think a lot of executive coaches don't approach that early career group because they're worried that the money's not there. So my thing is, let's talk. There is a need. Let's find the money. Um, yeah. I know the law schools have some um, some different ways that they can do that, or we can talk about sponsorships from the community. Uh, but I do believe that um, there is going to be a, a big movement in that direction because the work is so badly needed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Emily, thank you so much for chatting. This was so interesting. I think your your journey is is really interesting, and the work that you're doing obviously um, speaks to me heavily. Yeah. So this was um, this was really a fun conversation. Thank you thank for taking you. the time. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.